The uh, Bible readings are in the middle of your zine, page seven and eight. There are two. Will has already read part of the first and the second is um, from Galatians. So the first one, 1 John in chapter 2. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Dear friends, I'm not writing you a new command, but an old one, which you've had since the beginning. This old command is the message you have heard. Yet, I am writing you a new command. Its truth is seen in him and in you, because the darkness is passing and the true light is already shining. Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister and lives in the light and there is nothing in them to make them stumble. But anyone who hates a brother or sister is in the darkness and walks around in the darkness. They do not know where they are going because the darkness has blinded them. Galatians picking up from the end of chapter 5 and then moving into chapter 6. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking and envying each other. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfil the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity... Let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, 
Uh, good evening, everyone. My name is Craig, and I'm one of the assistant ministers here in the parish of Churchill. And uh, every now and then, I get to come and share in our time together here at 6 p.m. Uh, quite often, I find myself, uh, my role is to be down the road at the Garrison Church uh, from the 9.30 service and the 4 p.m.ers, and uh, I bring their greetings to you, as I always do, as one family uh, meeting in different spaces every Sunday. And uh, it's my um, joy to be able to explore this passage in Galatians that uh, we just heard read to us and to reflect upon it. Um, it's really more than an intellectual idea, though, because uh, it, here at Churchill, we really believe that uh, God is real, and not just that God is real, but He is active in our world and in our lives, and uh, He's a God who wants to be known, and He's a great God. He's worthy to be known, and uh, so I'm going to pray and just ask that as we reflect on these words in Galatians, that God might speak to each one of us, whatever it is we need to hear this evening as we spend this time together as His family. So let me pray. Our dear Lord and loving Heavenly Father, our Lord, we ask now that as we reflect upon your word to us, uh, that your spirit may lead our minds and our hearts uh, to that which we need to hear, a word of encouragement, a word of rebuke, courage to step forward and continue to grow as your children. Our Lord, whatever it is, please lead us in the direction you want us to go tonight. And we ask this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. Uh, quite a few years ago, uh, when I was 27, 26 actually, but also 27, um, I was caught in a very uh, destructive pattern of living. Um, I won't go into all the details right now, but if you need to know, please ask me and I can tell you afterwards personally. But it was destructive. Uh, I knew it was out of step with God's Word. Um, I knew it was not following the leading of the Spirit. Uh, I knew all that stuff, um, but I didn't feel as though I could get out of it. Uh, I couldn't get out of the cycle or the habit or whatever you want to say. I'm not sure whether you've experienced anything like that or whether you've ever found yourself even now in a situation like that. Um, yeah, but do you know what actually got me forward moving, that led to forward movement? Do you know what it was that actually was the trigger? It was a close Christian friend. I knew a lot of stuff. But it was a close Christian friend that began the forward movement. A close brother whom, through the grace of God, uh, I fostered enough courage to say to him, I'm in real trouble, and here are the specifics. I didn't just say, oh, life's a bit tough right now, but I actually said, look, this is the specific things that are happening and that I'm doing and that I'm caught in. Uh, he sat, he listened, um, he didn't condemn me, uh, he didn't affirm what I was doing was good, but he did affirm me as a brother. Uh, we chatted for a, quite a while, he suggested I see a counsellor because I'd need more help than just him, 
but he walked with me through uh, this dark period, and it went on for a couple of years. It's intriguing, isn't it, that it might seem insignificant that in God's tapestry for his kingdom people, genuine friendship was a key thread weaved into the design. But I wonder whether what once appeared an insignificant thread has now become one of the colours that really sets this tapestry apart. Could it be that genuine, honest, open, vulnerable friendship is one of the real blessings our church can offer our city as we are led into that place through faith in our Lord Jesus? We are reading the book of Galatians. We're in our final chapter. It's a letter that has urged the Christian readers to place their trust in their eternal salvation and also their freedom now in the present in the work God has done for them through his son Jesus. And last week, we read Paul's urging to his readers and to us uh, to put to death the desires of the flesh through trusting in the work God is doing in us now through his spirit. And you can flick back to Galatians 5 and you can read that. I think whilst many, especially in Sydney at the moment, have sort of mistakenly thought of Christianity as a sort of a remnant of the past or just maybe a box to tick to have yourself covered in the afterlife, I have found, as I know many of us here have tonight, that real Christianity uh, is about real lives experiencing real change through following Jesus. Now, sometimes this change is immediate and dramatic, but often it's low and slow. As we experience over a lifetime, genuine shifts in our habits, our thinking, our feeling, and our behavior. And throughout the ancient book of Galatians, I think Paul frames this up as each one of us learning to live free. This week, the Apostle Paul explores what a spirit-filled community looks like. And uh, as, as Will read out to us at the start, I'd been reading this week uh, the pastor and theologian John Stott, and he reflected on this part of Galatians by saying, both here in Galatians as well as in Ephesians 5, uh, the Apostle shows that the, great, the first and great evidence of our walking by the Spirit or being filled with the Spirit is not some private mystical experience of our own, but our practical relationship of love with other people. Could it be that one of the greatest miracles God is doing in our world is bringing people into communities of genuine, honest love? I want to suggest that in the broken world we find ourselves in, there is nothing more miraculous than that and transformational. You'll see in today's passage, verses 7 to 10, sort of bookend the previous chapter, challenging us as to whether we are sowing to please the flesh or we're sowing to please the spirit. But in between, we have this little exploration of what staying in step with the spirit looks like in community with other people. And key to this is verse 2, where Paul writes... Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. 
carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. I take it here in this sentence that there are two pretty key assumptions. The first assumption is this, that from time to time, we will all have burdens. Now, this word burden in uh, Galatians is used of a weight that is kind of too heavy for you to bear on your own, a burden. And the assumption is from time to time in your life, you will face moments where you have burdens that are too heavy for you to handle just on your own. The second assumption here is that God does not intend for us to carry them alone. And my guess is that it's not uncommon for us in our own struggles to perhaps over-spiritualize things to a point that actually isolates us. Uh, we say, I, I don't need others, I just need to cast my burdens on the Lord and he will sustain me. Uh, we may think it's a sign of spiritual strength. Perhaps we reflect on Psalms, Psalm 55, which says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. It was Jesus himself who said, Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. These words are true. It's my guess that it's not uncommon for us in times of trouble to isolate ourselves in our troubles and try to just trust in God. This comes from a good heart. It sounds faithful, it sounds godly, but it may overlook one key truth. And that is, it appears that one of the key ways God bears our burdens is through human friendship. The Apostle Paul knew this all too well. After bearing the burden of conflict with the Corinthian church and worried about how they would react to a letter he had written, he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, he said, we were troubled in every way. There were conflicts on the outside. There were fears within us. And then hear what he goes on to write. But God, who comforts the humble, comforted us by the arrival of Titus, a friend. Not only by his arrival, but also by the comfort he received from you. In this particular moment, for Paul, for the apostle, God's comfort did not come through a moment of private prayer or simply just waiting on the Lord, but through the companionship of a friend, a brother in Christ. Human friendship in which we bear one another's burdens appears to be part of the purpose of God for his people. It fulfills the law of Christ among us, as Paul would write. Now, this letter we're reading, uh, incredibly, was penned around 64 AD, uh, give or take a couple of months, uh, but the Bible is ahead of its time. Just last month in The Guardian UK, an article came out entitled, uh, The Friend Effect, Why the Secret of Health and Happiness is Surprisingly Simple. It explores the research that has been done in this area over the last few years, and I quote from it. It's not rocket science, but it says human beings are biologically engineered for human interaction and particularly face-to-face -face interaction. One study from the University of Michigan found that replacing face-to-face -face contact with friends and family with messages on social media, emails or text could double our risk of depression. 
Or how about this? It says, in a meta-analysis of 148 studies that looked for the best predictors that patients would survive 12 months after a heart attack. Okay, so think about what are the best predictors that patients will survive 12 months after a heart attack. The two best predictors by a country mile in this scientific study over 148 was the number and quality of friends you have and giving up smoking. That's what they found. The researcher wrote, you can eat as much as you like, you can slob about, the effect is very modest compared with these two factors. If you've ever had a heart attack and you want a positive recovery, good friends who don't smoke. That's what the research says. You know, in a culture that has worked so hard for so many decades to worship at the altar of individualism, um, our scientists are now telling us that it might be a bum steer. Providing genuine, honest, deep friendships are the core to human flourishing. But of course, God is ahead of his time, providing this insight for us for thousands of years. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. Now, you may have noticed that here in the context of Galatians chapter 6, Paul chooses one specific outworking of such burden carrying, and it's there in verse 1. He says, brothers and sisters, if someone's caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you may also be tempted. Now, I take it in the context of the letter, the sin that Paul is referring to it bears some relation to the desires of the flesh he has just written about two sentences beforehand. And if you remember it from last week in chapter 5, he gave this list, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. Now, in chapter 6, he refers to what we should do if someone is caught in one of these. I wonder, have you found yourself caught? This word could also be translated overrun or overtaken. That is, you find yourself habitually caught in something that God's word has revealed to you is now destructive... But putting it to death just feels like an unsuccessful wrestle for you. This is not uncommon in the real Christian experience because when we think about it through faith in Jesus, Paul has told us in Galatians that we are adopted into God's family. There's freedom in paying part of his eternal family. But it takes time to grow up and get to know the family to take on the family likeness. It takes time for us to learn to live free if we've been enslaved. And so what are we to do as a spirit-filled community for each other as we are learning to grow up as children of God? Are we to cast out the person who is caught in sin? Are we to guilt trip them or isolate them? No, of course not. Not according to the apostle. We are to restore this person gently. The word restore is a term used to reset bones after they've broken. It's a word of healing. To bring the person back 
to their pre-crisis functioning? Could it be that one of the key ways that God's Spirit transforms us is through honest communities of Jesus' followers sharing our burdens, even if they are taboo, and helping each other grow up in godliness? Of course, if that's ever going to happen, there's a few other ingredients that needs to be there, isn't it? We, we need to be a safe environment. I need to know that if I share something with you that I have been caught in that is deeply troubling me, that you're actually on my side in this. <laughs> that you're not going to judge me, reject me and throw me out. So, of course, to build a community like this means we continue to foster and build a group of people together who seek the good of the other. We get alongside each other with a humility and an honesty. This is the shape of God's people, which is really a shape of him. And it's a great shape to grow up to be like our heavenly father. Paul writes, those who are spiritual should restore them gently. Some think Paul here is being a bit sarcastic, having a dig at the dodgy leaders in Galatia, but other commentators with whom I side understand this as just a reference to all Christian believers. Uh, Paul has just shared what the fruit of God's spirit in our lives is, and now writes, those who are spiritual, in other words, those who are seeking the growth of such fruit, you should restore this person gently seeking to stay in step with this very spirit. And you can go back to chapter 5 to learn about God's spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience. There's kindness, there's gentleness. Goodness, faithfulness, self-control. What a cracking list. So powerful. Could it be that one of the key ways that God's spirit transforms us is through honest communities of Christians sharing our burdens, even if they are taboo, and just helping each other grow up as children of God. I wonder whether we have space here in our community at 6 p.m. To, to equip ourselves further to bear the burdens of our brothers and sisters in a helpful way. You know, I think some of us here at 6 p.m. are, but very few people are naturally gifted in knowing exactly how to help a friend in need. And it seems to me that as a church, we could be a training hub of not just talking about loving others, but being equipped with the skills and the knowledge of how to love each other when someone is going through a difficult time. There's lots of stuff out there on it. It's great. And I'd love to lead us as a, as a church in, in continuing to grow and equip ourselves to love each other when someone comes to us with something that is difficult. If that's something that interests you and excites you, please talk to me afterwards, email me, say whatever you're doing, keep me on the loop. Of course, it's true that in this text, there is kind of a shadow that hangs over these words from Paul. And that is, the shadow is sometimes our unwillingness to carry another's burden, to help, to be a good friend, is not always just simply a lack of skills on our part. There's something else happening. And he refers to sort of a, a twisted sense of self which can poison any chance of real relationship, real friendship. You see it there in the final verse of chapter 5. He says, uh, let us not, let us as God's family not become conceited 
provoking and envying each other. And then he touches again on 6 verse 3. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. It's intriguing here that the apostle presents, and you could road test this in your own life if you want, that arrogance, pride, a constant need to compare yourself with others will rob you of any capacity you have to carry each other's burdens. And if you think about it, that sort of makes sense in what he's written. If your heart is arrogant, then I guess what we are seeking to do is we are seeking to receive affirmation of our superiority. And so we might provoke others rather than carry their burdens. And, and also, if our heart is tuned to constant comparison, especially of those whom you perceive to be superior to you, then you might envy others rather than carry their burdens. And, and this is how Galatians all comes together in this beautiful picture Paul is writing to them saying, do not walk away from the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because in the gospel of Jesus Christ, you find a God who is all-powerful, who loves you at cost to himself, and who never gives up on you. And it is his work for each one of us that he has called us to put our trust in and to seek new life through. And it is through that that God starts to work on our own pride. And it's through that that God starts to work on our own need to compare ourselves with others as we start to actually listen to him and what he says about who we are. And then as we center on that gospel of Jesus Christ, we find ourselves growing up as children of God who, strangely enough, are able to start carrying each other's burdens. There is a humility that comes through following Jesus. Sometimes when we miss that, when we deviate away from the gospel of Jesus, when we make it all about what we do, then we can fall into a pattern of coming to church, whining about or just competing with everyone else. And what do we miss out on? We miss out on the transformation that God wants to do in our life. And I think that's what the Apostle Paul means when he writes, each one should test their own actions. But of course, it's fair to say that all of this sounds quite intimidating. Uh, that I should deepen friendships that I should love others, that I should be open to change even in my own life. It turns out living free as a child of God can be more confronting at certain seasons in our life than we'd like to admit. But I find it intriguing that the final word from Paul, at least in this section of the letter, I think really mirrors the wisdom literature and the words of Jesus. They are both a warning but a great encouragement as they provide a loving reflection upon the way the world and our lives operate. And so Paul writes, he says, Do not be deceived. Uh, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. 
A woman reaps what she sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Paul alerts us at this point of his letter that in this created order, it might be different in another one, but in this created order in which we find ourselves, you cannot sow, that's agricultural terms, planting, yep, You cannot sow a life of selfish ambition, sexual immorality, envy, anger, drunkenness, jealousy, hatred, and expect anything to grow from that that will not be dark and destructive. Paul warns us just to be careful on this because we can actually become experts in deceiving ourselves, thinking that we will never need to reap that which we sow in our life. But Paul reminds us that what you and I plant today uh, matters. And of course, he approaches this from the whole opening of our letter, which we get a bit disconnected from because we're reading it just in chunks. One of the great news of the gospel of Jesus is that for many of us at different points, perhaps we have reaped some negative consequences of things we have sown in our life. And the news from the Son of God himself is that God's forgiving hand and word upon your life is there for those times that we have wandered away and made mistakes. We have an advocate with God the Father. And I love it. Jesus Christ, who is he? He's the righteous one. And he's on your side. You and I, we may not be fully righteous, that's okay, he's righteous, he's with you, he's an advocate. Some of us have borne the burden and we carry the scars of decisions we've made in our past. And the gospel word is you are forgiven of those things. There is new life. But moving forward, Paul reminds us, you, we do reap what we sow. What we plant today matters. Uh, Your life is precious. It is a gift from God. Plant the fruit, therefore, in your heart and your mind, in your daily habits, in your monthly routines that you'll want to feast upon in the future. Paul calls this staying in step with God's Spirit. And it's also true that as a church community, we will reap what we sow. Now, that sounds ominous, doesn't it? But it's only ominous if you're planting something ugly or terrible. Uh, If you're planting something fantastic, reaping what you sow, that's not ominous, that's fantastic. It is a statement that is filled with earthy, loving, fruit of the spirit potential. As we plant and sow in this community a spirit of love, and of joy and of peace, where we seek patience and kindness and gentleness, there will be a harvest that grows from that amongst us as a family that will be beautiful and will carry us even to eternal life. How may I be a friend to another? What am I sowing in my life and my church? Uh, What will my harvest look like? 
These are the questions we ask in the family of God. As unspiritual as it may sound, it was me sitting in a city cafe, 10pm on a Wednesday night, for the first time in this particular experience, sharing honestly, completely honestly, with a close Christian friend that God used to start a process of change in my life. What a blessing trusted friends are. And what a blessing it is to seek the courage to be yourself with them. That's what Jesus' community looks like. And there is a gentleness because we come to each other knowing we're all ragamuffins, loved by God, forgiven by him, and a gentleness that comes through his spirit. And so let me finish with the words of Paul in his letter to the Galatians, but also his word to us at 6 p.m. He encourages us, let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Perhaps tonight you might find yourself in a season of life where you could be a friend to someone who really needs it that you could continue to foster friendships where people know they can trust you and they can speak honestly and they will be loved and cared for. Perhaps for you tonight, you're in a season where you need to pray for the courage to actually speak honestly with a close friend about something, a sin that you are caught in. And perhaps God will use that friendship to start the movement forward of identifying it and naming it and having support moving forward. Perhaps you're just excited about your church family and you want to know how can we keep planting a, a spirit of gentleness and patience and love, a place where people can come and be themselves and learn about a God who loves them and loves them as they are but has this great vision for their life to be like his son Jesus. And for you, this is a word to foster that in your community. I'm not sure where God is leading you tonight through his word, but I do hope and I will pray now that God's spirit may give us the courage to grab onto it and uh, to, to act upon it. So let me pray for us. Uh, our dear Lord and loving Heavenly Father, oh, we just reflect on your goodness towards us, uh, that you have provided your son for us, an advocate, one who speaks on our behalf before you, and he is righteous. And Lord, we thank you that you've given us your spirit so that we might be transformed, transformed in the way of love and peace and gentleness and self-control. Lord, we thank you for calling a people to yourself and not just individuals. And so, Lord, I ask that you might lead each one of us to meditate and reflect and act upon the word that you have brought to us tonight. Help us to be good friends. Christian brothers and sisters, help us to foster a spirit of honesty and vulnerability and love here at 6 p.m. And Lord, 
continue to change us in beautiful ways through your spirit. And we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.